This episode is brought to you by Vonage. Your business needs more than an 800 number. With Vonage Voice API, you can provide the call experience your customers expect and get the data your team needs. From call analytics and virtual assistance to automatic speech recognition and text-to-speech in multiple languages. Your customer service team can help more people in more places. And with in-app voice, your customers can easily contact you the moment they have a question. Take your calls to the next level with Vonage Voice API. Learn more at Vonage.com. Welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta, and I have a wonderful, wonderful, very special guest today. I'm so excited that she had the time for this. I know she's very busy, and I'm sure um, all of you have heard of Glossy and uh, Glossy Publications. So she is the editor-in-chief of Glossy Publications, uh, Jill Manoff. So welcome to the show, Jill. I'm so thankful that you're here. Ekta, I'm so appreciative. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk to you. Very excited to talk to you. It's such an honor to host someone um, of your caliber. And I, I'm really excited to learn all about your career and your journey because I know um, you must have worked so hard to get to, you know, to where you are. And I just can't wait to learn all about it. So if you can take us uh, back down memory lane and just tell us like how you got into editorial and journalism and just where it all began. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I'm older, so it goes back really far. Let's just say that. Well, we um, have plenty of time. So please tell us all the deets. <laughs> awesome. If I'm going too deep, you just stop me. Um, but yeah, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm actually uh, staying here right now with my family uh, until our office reopens in New York. But um, really, you know, I went to a local college here, um, Webster University, and I, I thought, you know, I've always been obsessed with fashion, more so fashion than beauty um, early on in my in my career and in my life. Um, and I just, you know, it seemed really far-fetched that I'm going to be an editor or I'm going to work in the fashion industry. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing or uh, I don't know what it is. It just seemed like, um, yeah, dream on. So I went yeah. to... Yeah, I went to college and I, um, you know, I majored in psychology because I, I liked a course that I had taken. And um, and then my my father was like, you need a business course or you're not going to go anywhere if you're not getting your master's and going to be a psychologist. And um, anyway, I double majored in management and I literally, you know, I I graduated um, in, I guess, after 9-11, like I'm that old. And so I really took the first job that um I, I saw an opportunity for, I went to a, a college job fair and I, anyway, I was an executive, um, account executive at a, a local, um, company for about two years and literally looking for a creative outlet. I was like, get me out of here. I cried when I got, <laughs> I cried when I got the job. I, and my mother was like, who cries when they get a job? And I'm like, I'm going to get sucked in and this is going to be my life. It is so boring. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, I guess I was like still figuring it out. I found there was a a newspaper, a local publication here called the Riverfront Times. And I would, you know, it was the time where you find, found jobs in the paper. And so um, I always looked to see what else was out there. And at the grocery store here in St. Louis, we have two 
there was a free publication. Um, you could pick it up on the way out. It's called, it was called Alive and it was just starting. Um, and it, it kind of was evolving. It started as a nutrition and fitness magazine. Um, and there was an ad for Alive magazine that they were looking for um, writers, fashion writers. And I was like, heck yes. I want to do that. I don't care. I reached out. Um, I didn't have a lot of experience, although in college people, you know, professors would say, um, are you a journalism major? You're a great writer. Um, I, you know, I feel like you should listen to those cues, but I did not major in journalism. Um, and so I just, I took this freelance job, literally, I'm a big proponent of paying your dues. And I was, you know, I definitely did that. I did, um, freelance stories for $25 a pop that I would spend hours on like (laughs) wow but that's like that you know you like that's passion you know that's really wanting to do something and I love that though I love that you really like dived in and you know thank you yeah I definitely did I eventually kind of uh, they hired me full time. I took a pay cut to be their fashion. I don't know if my title out of the gate was um, editor or reporter, um, but kind of to run their fashion um, copy and stories. And um, I was doing some beauty as well until they hired a beauty editor. Um, but yeah, when I joined, it was the first month that they did a, a fashion spread where I was like styling it and writing it and doing all the things all the things. Um, but yeah, definitely. I took a pay cut to become their full-time, um, a fashion person. And, you know, to my, my family's horror, like, what are you doing? Um, and it was a young startup publication where I was coming from more of a corporate established type of a company. Um, it just seemed like it was really risky. So, um, I was so glad to do it. I was like, I don't care. I, this is what I want to do and I will figure it out. Um, and I was there for a long, long time. I was at a live magazine for, um, it became kind of the counterpart to St. Louis magazine, um, where it was more a luxury lifestyle publication. Um, it had uh, kind of a nightlife. There was a lot of nightlife. We hosted events. Um, we featured the, that in the publication. We did um, these features on we always had a celebrity on the cover. So, you know, there are so many St. Louis celebrities like Kamora Lee Simmons and um, oh, wow. yeah. Derek Blasberg and Carly Kloss and all those guys. So it was, it was cool to do all of that and get that experience. Um, but I eventually I was making my money um, and where I found an opportunity was being a stylist in St. Louis. And there are large um, businesses here. There was Brown Shoe, which is now called Calaris, um, Anheuser-Busch, Baker Shoes, which was a mall brand and is no longer in existence, um, or maybe they're online only. But anyway, it's not what it was. It's not the same owner. Um, but anyway, I was doing freelance styling on the side, like killing myself where I was like, so help me God, if I don't, if I only get to write in the middle of the night, I'm going to write. Cause that was actually my passion. And I was getting really burnt out on the styling, um, part of my life. It, it's a lot of running yeah. around. It's a lot of, you think that you're doing something creative and, and 
I don't know, styling these outfits for this photo shoot, but it just got to the point where I was setting up a closet for the the creative director on set and they would kind of just like fish through and pick out what they wanted to, to use. And I know that that happens a lot with stylists, but I was just, it aggravated the crap out of me. I was like, I yeah. got to doing this. And it's I almost really like, just- you know, you're like, I know I can do a lot better than this. So it's like, you know, and I think when, when intelligent people, we, we just don't like being stuck. That's what I've noticed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we don't, we don't like being stagnant. And it's like, I think there's phases, you know, like you'll go through a phase and you'll go through like certain jobs. And then you're like, okay, time to move on. <laughs> time to move on. Exactly. It's like, what am I doing here? But honestly, I think it took me a while to figure that out because I was doing this alive freelance styling gig. I would, I don't know, nine years, something bananas. I'm like I said, I'm older and I was looking for um, a job again, um, anywhere and everywhere that was um, focused on writing. I just, I knew I wanted to write. I didn't want to style anymore, write full time. So I a little bit, again, of a roundabout move. I found a, an opportunity in Chicago um, to be the, gosh, what was my title there? I think I was the um, head copywriter. Um, and I was eventually the the editor of Sears Style. I went to Sears Holdings Corporation. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they were out in Hoffman Estates. I would take the the long commute to get to the office so that I could live in the cool part of town. Um, but yeah, it was like Target style. I think that still exists. And they were trying to change consideration and um, be uh, among fashion shoppers, where it's like we're cool too. If you're if you're buying something <laughs> trendy, <laughs> come here. They had a very yeah. fast brand called Metaphor at the time. They had Kardashian collection. <laughs> um all that kind of stuff which is wild and then I love that though that's so cool that you worked for like see like this is what I really love about editorial I mean honestly Jill like um you know I I think that the hustle and the grind and the like go get them attitude that like uh, you know editors have is just so amazing like I just love listening to the stories because you know like just your story like so far like I'm just like that's so cool like she just went after it you know and it's like I really resonate with that because I think about like the younger generations now and I'm like you guys don't understand like you gotta work you gotta work hard like whatever comes your way you gotta take it you gotta go with it you know what I mean and then eventually you'll get to a place where you're like okay you know this all paid off this where I wanted to be in my career absolutely I very much thank you I appreciate that I I've always been like you know I found my way I just feel like like you said um, earlier about like not settling or getting stuck. Um, I, I feel like, um, you know, right now I've been at glossy for five years and I, you know, there's no like looking around. It's like, I'm where I want to be. And it's about growing where I am, but when you know, when you're, when it's not a fit, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can move on, like you said, um, yeah. So Sears. what happened after Chicago then? What, yeah. what was the next like, step? As Sears, that was very apparent when it's time to move on. And it wasn't about not liking my job. I, I really liked the people I worked with. Um, we would go to San Francisco about once a month to um, work with their 
um, creative folks and photo studio. I, I got to do, I guess, a little bit of styling involved as well. Um, so all the things I loved, but yeah, Sears, you know, it was already struggling. I don't know how many years ago this was now, um, but uh, there were layoffs. I was never laid off, but I, this sounds so mean, but I was like, so help me God, I'm going to find a new, new job before Sears lays me off because <laughs> that's like my all time low. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Be ahead of it. Yeah. Be ahead of the game. Um, I wound up at, um, in San Francisco, I bounce around a lot, um, San Francisco for, um, mode media. We worked with them at Sears for various, um, projects. And so I knew of them, they were looking for an editor of glam.com. Um, so mode, it was a startup, although, you know, almost 10 years in, I think when I started, um, and they had various titles, they had foodie, which is dedicated to, uh, it's a pool pool of writers that you that each editor works with um, that are not in house. They're freelancers. Um, you work with them to, I guess, pinpoint the stories they're going to write. You edit the stories that you actually feature on the site. And uh, it was very much driven by social media and Facebook. Um, we did, you know, if we saw a lot of traction with a Kim Kardashian story for, for Glam, that was often the case. It would be like, what more can we do with Kim Kardashian? It was very much about clicks and hits. Um, there was a parent site called Tend. It was dedicated to moms or catered to moms. Um, they did a lot on Chrissy Teigen. She was kind of their golden ticket there. Like it was always a hit if, if we did a story on Chrissy Teigen. Um, yeah. So it was fun. I was there a year and a half, um, which again is not long. Um, I don't know what it was. I didn't love living in San Francisco. I think I didn't, wasn't there long enough to, I guess, get settled. Um, but they, abruptly shut down. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I know I was gallivanting at fashion week when it happened. And it was like, my boss at the time was like, are you coming to the town hall meeting? And I was like, I don't know. I maybe if I can get to a coffee shop. And he was like, you probably should get there. There's big news. I don't know if Mo's going to exist in, in the next hour. And I was like, excuse me. Um, and you know, you hear things, there were rumblings or were, there were some layoffs. Um, but and that was like, holy cow. Um, so it was, yeah. I was just kind of like, get home, get out of San Francisco, which I knew I didn't, that's not where I wanted to be. I never really worked until I moved to New York where there was a, a strong, large fashion community. It was always like me and like two other people um, in San Francisco. I met Megan McDowell, who's now at Vogue Business and kind of like she and one other girl, like we um, were the fashion, like, I don't know, it's grown. And it, but um, in terms of media, um, it's very, very small. So um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity that I saw in San Francisco. Um, and so I was just like, get me out. And I, I packed my stuff and moved back to my parents where I'm a workaholic. Like when, when they shut down mode, I was like, I speaking of Chrissy Teigen, I had just interviewed her for a story like on site at a show and I was yeah. going to sit down and write it in my, and it was kind of like, what I was like, I just wrote I just, I, I'm, I sat down to write my interview whenever this call happened. And I was like, what do I do with this interview? Like, I, I was like, kind of like lost. And what do I do with myself? Um, and so, yeah, immediately I had already become a, a fan of Glossy. Um, Glossy launched in May of 2016. And they, um, we, they, they, I will say they, I wasn't there yet. Um, but they started with a focus on 
fashion, luxury, and technology. And so there was a podcast. Yeah. Beauty was not even a part of it. Um, and when I started and it was about how digital and technology are impacting the fashion world, which at the time fashion, you know, was moving and accelerating so, so fast. It wasn't beauty wasn't there yet. Um, that was still kind of pretty stagnant in comparison. And, um, so I listened to their podcast at the time it was, um, hosted by Shireen Patek. Um, and she, Um, I was just like the way that they spoke about the industry, both in the stories and on the podcast, I was so enamored and and I obsessed. I would basically, you know, we did the clickbait types of stories on, on mode media. And I always would like cater my own stories to somehow fit this (laughs) kind of a glossy vibe where it would be on the latest in fashion tech or, um, Anyway, I took a lot of inspiration from what Glossy was doing because I found that's the, the way I wanted to be writing about fashion, where it was um, thoughtful and smart and there's data to back up what, what I'm saying. It's not some, um, you know, out of my like random. Yeah. 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 For yeah. Sure. No, I love that. I love it. I didn't know Glossy was so young, though. I thought like Glossy was around for a long time. Like 2016 is pretty young. It is. We're very young and we're under, we um, are lucky enough to be under the Digiday Media umbrella, which um, Digiday, our our sister publication launched, um, they're over 10 years in, um, but yeah, their their lens is the evolution of uh, media and marketing. And so they had a retail reporter, Hillary Milnes, and she was really... um, taking she was the she was covering the evolution of the space um from the same mindset how digital digital and technology are impacting retail she gravitated toward fashion um the her editors and and nick freeze our ceo saw what was happening in fashion and saw the opportunity there to launch glossy and i started six months in um where again i saw this editor job while i was at mode media and i wasn't ready to look for a new job and then whenever mode went bust i went to look for the job it, it was gone for a short time. I think they were going to hire somebody else. Um, and I was like, I'm kicking myself. I was like, why didn't I apply it? That would have been so perfect. Um, and it came back up um, on one of those job boards. And I was just like, yes. And I immediately yeah. applied and, you know, obsessed about um, my application and my cover letter and I think they did the same thing that I do, which is, um, you know, give us three story pitches with the sources you'd use for each. Um, and just, yeah, I guess over, over did it like I tend to do in terms of the, the work, um, which, Hey, you know, that's what's got, that's what it takes though. You know, honestly, Jill, like people with that kind of work ethic, like there's not a lot of you guys and, I really need to like make sure people understand that are listening that you know you you got to do that you know you got to be that person that is not not a you know okay yeah we were workaholic so am I you know what I mean I think that's a special kind of like personality trait that you're just born with but I think um you know you don't have to you don't have to be a workaholic but you definitely have to be a go-getter you know what I mean and you really have to show that you're passionate about something you know it's like I have so many questions you will be so shocked get where people are like well how do you you know how do you become like an editor and like a real like you know like up there not just an intern I'm like 
dude, I, first of all, I'm not an editor. Second of all, from what I've learned, you know, after interviewing amazing people such as yourself, it's, it's a lot of hard work. So, you know, that's really why I keep like emphasizing that because I know that there's people out there that are listening and they have these questions. So, you know, um, I love that though. I love that you like just kind of off the bat, you were like, I got to finish my article. And then, you know, I, I just, I really, really admire that in people. So, you know, hats off too. Thank you. I always am like for better or for worse, literally when I, when I took the job at Sears from, from my first job in St. Louis, where I was running myself crazy and I actually had a weekend to not work and to like do what I wanted to do. Like I was like, you know, I don't know what I like to do. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. from going to working 24 seven to actually having that work-life balance a little bit more. Um, anyway, I'm not great at work-life balance, let's say, um, but I'm getting better. <laughs> Saturday. It's is okay. Neither am I. Day. Neither am I. It's okay. We will learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. no, I, I mean, I want to know though, because with Glossy, like, you know, you guys, Glossy is such a unique publication. I really enjoy it. I, I you know, I, um, before skincare anarchy, I, before I even started it, I was always like, you know, reading the articles and I was like always interested in the coverage that was there. So like, what really is your, like your inspiration for, um, glossy? Cause I know that, you know, um, as editor in chief, it must be a, you know, well, first of all, like what is like the real role of editor in chief? Let's start there because I think we need to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was, um, it's intimidating that title. I'll tell you what, um, when I started there and I, um, you go from, first of all, moving to New York for the first time and, and taking, um, leading a team in house, literally that for me, I, I had, um, led teams. Oh no, I take that back. I did that a little bit in at Sears, but to lead, um, multiple people in house with, a a role and I guess, um, content matter that I was newer to. I was moving from consumer facing content to B2B, um, which it was actually very new for me. And to be leading a team to do that was something that was also new to me. Um, man, I was, it was um, a stressful time, let's say where I, and I'm very determined where I'm like, I'm going to get this and I'm going to grasp the content and educate myself on what I don't know. Um, for instance, how to speak to earnings or how to, um, yeah, get some of those contacts and sources that I didn't have. Um, I'm so grateful for some people that, um, reached out to me and even introduced me to people in the industry and in New, New York. Um, at the time, Brian Morrissey was the editor-in-chief of Digiday and his wife, Anna um, Angelek. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, but um, she uh, reached, she was one of the early people who reached out to me and said, you know, she's, she's very immersed in the fashion community. And she's like, you should meet this person. You should meet this person. And I took every opportunity um, to do that because and that, and that was so valuable. So again, kind of paying my dues and getting my bearings and knowing what I had to do to feel confident to, to lead a team, which I feel like that is my role to, to, um, first of all, um, in terms of what glossy does, um, I kind of see us as being a guide to, um, industry, a guide to industry insiders about where the industry is going, if that makes sense. So we yeah. have, 
a lot of readers who are entrepreneurs, uh, they, you know, the old saying that everyone's a founder, but like, we do have a lot of people, um, who listen to the glossy podcast, for example, cause we do like you're doing now, which is go through how people got to where they are and people grasp onto that content and want to learn others path. Um, so we have a lot of entrepreneurs and founders and, and the people who read our website on the day to day, I always imagine this person who's in-house at an Estee Lauder or at a, I don't know, tapestry. And, um, they want to be the thought leader in-house, or they want to be the go-to for, um, when there's a new, like, we want to do something in marketing that's really impactful. Like they have the answer because, you know, they're well-versed on what's happening in the industry and what's up and coming to kind of, um, based on, on our coverage. So I'm always telling my team always like, we are not the experts. We don't know what the hell's happening in the industry. This is why we need to be talking to people like basically like 24 seven, if you're not writing, we should be on the phone, um, talking to executives, um, ideally people from influential companies, um, people who are the decision makers, maybe they're not the CEO, they're a director, but they're leading this team and leading this initiative. That's really, um, proving impactful. Um, and so I think, yeah, the more we learn from, from those types of people, the better we can be at guiding, um, our readers who, who look to us to be better at their jobs, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's a really, um, that's a really great point that you made is like, you know, it's very important to have this culture of just wanting to learn, wanting to be, you know, to put out content that is um, educational, you know, and so wherever you can get that information, you go and you get it. Like, it's like, for me, like, personally, I've, you know, been in science my whole life. And so this idea of just like, if you don't know, then you go to the books, or you go to a professor, or you go to, you know what I mean? Like, you go to the source, and you go and figure it out kind of thing, you know, and so I really love that. And I love that you um, are carrying that message forward um to your team at glossy and that 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 is the vision that you're kind of you know um attaching yourself with because honestly i'm not gonna lie joe like in this in this industry i mean you know it way better than i could ever know it but it's like from what i've noticed there's so much misinformation and there's so much misguidance and it's like it it kind of like it not only bothers me, but it hurts me because there's so many young people out there, even like young entrepreneurs, right? And like young, yeah. young professionals that like, they don't know who to get advice from. They don't know, like, where to go and what to ask. And like, you know, um, you know, the real stuff and people are just out there just BSing them, you know, left and right. So it's like, to have, you know, publications like Glossy and to have people in charge, like such as yourself, that makes me feel better. Because, you know, I, I genuinely I worry about these individuals, I worry about our youth and our, you know, the next generation that's up and coming. And, and so yeah, like, that's very close to my heart, the idea of like educating and really informing rather than like, I don't know, just throwing random facts out there, I guess. Yes. <laughs> you know? so, oh my yeah. God. You are, we, we are talking about this all the time. I'm sure you're, you're getting even more scared as you see uh, the misinformation on, on TikTok and even um, people presenting themselves as an authority or as an expert and saying things that are oh, wrong. Jill, I don't even get me started on that. I <laughs> literally, okay. I, okay. You know what? I am going to get a little started. TikTok yeah. for me is a little bit, it's something that I think 
like the media like you know just sector and like publications really need to step in a little bit and we need to like take over like tiktok a little bit because the people on tiktok are the reason why people's skin is like just being demolished i swear it is because i look at that because you know we we try to put on put content up on tiktok as well for skincare anarchy and we're always browsing my team's always sending me like example videos and it's like the most ridiculous stuff and i'm like i really wish an editor could see this and just get their hands on this person because honestly (laughs) this is like just a mess you know what i mean so yeah oh my gosh I hear you. Oh my gosh. CC from TikTok is pressuring me like, get on TikTok. Your, your face needs to be on there. And I feel like you that's something interesting you're saying. That would be a good, um, what do you call it where it's side by side to like have a response to to a bullshit. Um, oh yeah. Where you can like stitch like the, like, the little things. Yeah. Oh my I'm gosh. So please old. Do, that. <laughs> do it. Do it. No, seriously. I did it the other day with one and I, I've been getting some hate comments, but it was for the better good, you know, it was for the better good of the of people, but no, I think you should do it. Yeah. That, and it would actually be a fit for glossy. Cause we kind of pride ourselves on taking a critical, like you said, a critical look at the industry. Um, you know, we get PR pitched all, all day and night. Um, and just to kind of take a step back and say, you know, is this a line? What's really going on here? Um, does this impact the industry or does it just impact this, the brand at hand? And if it doesn't, you know, if it, if it doesn't mean anything to anybody else except the brand, we do, typically don't go there. And, and we do hopefully uh, take a critical look at, at all touch points um, and ask more questions. And um, if somebody says growth, give me numbers and, and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's really, really great. And I want to actually um, shift a little bit and talk about, um, you know, in terms of just like, because obviously you know I'm interested in just like publications such as Glossy because I really think that the industry needs just a more truthful approach you know what I mean just more like really fact-based and stuff so like I want to get your opinion about just writing these days and journalism these days and um you know do you think that like what do you think about this whole shift into like this digital age of journalism and publications like what's your opinion about all that it's it's definitely, I mean, it's exciting. I would say, like you said, there are like pitfalls or downfalls um, in terms of anybody can write anything and, and put it out there um, and it might not be the best information. So I think it, it has to do with for, for readers or people who are interested um, in a topic with finding those reliable sources and, and then going from there. But yeah, we're moving fast. I was just interviewing somebody for, for, for a role. Um, we're Hey guys, we're hiring a managing editor. But um, anyway, I was interviewing somebody (laughs) (laughs) and she was saying um, basically that her background is in print and they've since, you know, started focusing on digital more so in the last couple of years. And she was talking about the evolution and, and how they're still doing print and how, right. They just shot something that was like pumpkins for October, 2022. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> is this there still are so happening? There's so many more problems in the world than pumpkins. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the heck? Yes, it's bananas. Like, things are moving too fast. Like, I don't know. I mean, if you're doing a pretty catalog, like, that's just about, um, I guess, yeah, 
prettiness, maybe inspiration. I don't know if things will still be inspirational if you're working on it a year in advance, actually. So um, yeah, digital is, is necessary considering, well, digital is fueling the speed of everything, but um, it's for journalism. It's the only way to go. I would say Um, I'm trying to think what else in terms of like, we're covering the speed of everything as well. So, you know, as we are seeing, uh, I guess a trend take off in on TikTok. Whether it is we right now, we launched something called Glossy Pop, and it's basically picking up on things that are trends and and people noteworthy people who are emerging on these platforms, which is where a lot of the movement is happening. Um, and we're, I guess, um, challenging ourselves to comb through all of that and call out what is going to matter to our reader. That's how we're looking at it. So like almost like a curator of, for the fashion and the beauty industry, uh, these are uh, the influencers that are, I guess, driving sales and um, that are actually, I guess, authentic in in what they're saying and what they're telling their audience. These are the trends that are emerging. Um, Everybody's doing a that I'm making this up, a, a blue eye eyeshadow, whatever, God forbid. Anyway, but um, a trend and- Oh, like purple blush, purple blush, by purple the way. It's blush. a huge, yeah, like it's huge on TikTok right now. I don't know if you had a chance to like, look, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get on purple it. Blush. Hey, we we owe a story to purple blush. This is good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, and just like as as brands are in product development, um, whether they're nimble and moving fast or whether they're planning ahead, that can be on their radar and they can consider that. Um, and yeah, and talking yeah. about the virality of things and, and how things are going viral and what it takes. It's so funny to me. Like we just had our glossy beauty summit in- Palm Springs last week. And I mean, first of all, I mean, the beauty community is something else. Like everybody knows everybody. We had this huge crowd of crowd of attendees. It was the best experience I've had in a very long time being in my own little pandemic world. But anyway, shout out to everybody that was there. Um, But all of the talk about um, the, I would say how things that were on, on platforms no longer are. It's like the more influencer in quotes somebody is nowadays, the less influential they are. Like everybody's seeing through that and we're learning better as, as things continue to move on. And we continue to look at platforms. We're learning. Um, the influencer is probably if they have millions of followers and they've been added a while, you can tell when something is an, an ad or you can, you want to maybe find somebody that's more, um, more reflects your style or your, your values. Um, and at the same point time, what it, what was the expression that they used? Um, oh my gosh. Oh, it was kind of like the less planned content is like, anyway, the raw off the cuff content is what's flying. There were all of these examples of like, it's almost like this minefield. Like, what do you do? Like find an influencer nobody knows. So they might, <laughs> yeah. um, they might resonate with somebody and like, throw up a video that you made um, randomly and, and see if it flies. But that's kind of what they were telling us, which is, is interesting. I don't know. You know, my biggest question though with influencer show is like how they blow up so fast. That's my biggest question, to be honest with you, because there was a, there's a girl. Okay. And well, a young woman and she's um, just a year in and she went from like zero followers to like, 8.5 million oh for crying out loud in a year 
Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like in a a year, like (laughs) what the heck dude? Like, and she's, you know, she's awesome. Don't get me wrong. She's really, really easy to like, you know, kind of relate to. And she, I think she, she, that part of it, she's got down, but it's like, for me, I'm really myself trying to grasp this idea, like in terms of media, like, you know, what is it that influencers are doing that is resonating more with audiences versus something like what I'm doing, which is a podcast, you know, I invite on doctors, I invite on, you know, like editors of that are notable, like yourself, like, you know, what is it that people are really relating to? And I, honestly, I I can't figure it out either. Like, I really don't, I don't know what the real, you know, the draw is. And, you know, at the same time, it's also about, you know, we have to like, I feel like there needs to be some sort of like a, not policing, but there needs to be some sort of like a, um, something in place that like kind of fact checks and also like calls out the influencers that are growing so rapidly and, and just says like, you know, some, some authority that says like, listen, this is really bad information and this is not correct. And, you know, you can't, you can't go off of this person's whatever, because like, there's a lot of people like that. Right. So yeah, I just, I get so confused with the influencer world. Yes. Because you want to say, you know, for a brand, whether you're a brand or an influencer, if you're putting out wrong information, you're going to get called out or it's going to be in the comments and it's going to fuel negativity around your post and yourself. But honestly, people are more so looking at the, the video. They're not digging into the comments. Like the, they'll probably miss that. They'll probably, probably just see the wrong info. And like you said, the, the growth, it's wild. I think that there's something to be said for kind of the first movers advantage and um, the people, and we're hearing a lot from influencers who got onto TikTok in March, 2020, when the, um, pandemic started and people started, um, you know, head down on the, on their phone all day. And, um, that was kind of, and just consistency in terms of posting that every day or, um, multiple times a day and really, um, staying true to like one niche area and not going too broad. Um, that's been what they're telling us has been, is the secret to blowing up, um, kind of staying true to staying in your lane and and getting in early, which, you know, every brand doesn't have the resources to, um, dabble or try every single emerging platform. There are a lot out there, um, whether it's live streaming or gaming or what have you. Um, but I would say, you know, I think that that, that's, that would be a good, good tip where when you start to see traction, feel it out, um, put, get in there and, and don't wait. I think that would be good advice. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, um, it's just, it's just a very interesting area, you know, the influencer world. It's very interesting. And I think it all began from YouTube, which, you know, there's some YouTube people though, that I love, not gonna lie. I love Jackie Ina, you know, love her. Like, I'm just so happy that she's like so big now and that because she really gives advice, but there's a lot of other people that I'm just like, eh, you know, okay, like you, you just blew up and, and it just, it, it's just interesting to me. Like, I guess from like, also from a psychology perspective, you know, just consumer 
psychology of just like what do they really connect with and I think you're right it's about the video it's about you know I think it's more so about looking at this person whether it's you know if they're connecting with them because of the, how, how they look or if they're connecting with them because maybe they remind them of somebody that they know or themselves or who knows right but it's it's just something that I think um is definitely worth like studying in a way right like just to understand like what is the mentality of consumers when they um, help brands like that go viral? But I want to actually round up the episode, um, Jill, and I want to get your advice because I think you're the perfect person to really um, shed light on this industry in terms of like for young professionals and aspiring editors and just people who want to get into the media world about like, you know, where to start, what to do, what are some of the things to look out for or just any advice that you think is important? That's, Hmm. That's good. I'm going to think about this and be thoughtful. Um, I looking at, I would say, um, don't think that something is like far fetched. I would just encourage everyone to like, take a stab. If you are excited about something, um, the most, I think that our intern right now, um, Nitya Rao, she's amazing and she's actually getting our um building our tiktok presence because she's young and knows her stuff and actually so smart and able to whip out stories and and do it all but um she it was like a cold email to priya rao our executive editor and saying you know i'm at school locally here in new york um i i love glossy i'd love to write a story and it just like started with some random email we don't get those cold emails as often as you would think and typically it turns out to be somebody stellar um where like you can tell they're passionate they're not just doing the automatic application on on linkedin with no thought behind it no cover letter i don't like the, this day and age you know no cover letter no thank you after an interview. I am old school. But anyway, when you see somebody that's taking those extra steps and they're writing you a a personal email and and explaining why they love Glossy and that they get it, um, that totally stands out. And and you give that person the time of day because um, yeah, you can see their passion. So I would just say for anybody who wants to get into the industry, um, you know, internships, great. I mean, I, that's hard to say like the when they're unpaid and everybody, I never did that. I was always jealous of my friends who would get the opportunity to like spend a summer in New York and intern for, you know, Marie Claire or Allure or something. And, you know, my parents weren't in a spot where they could do that for me. And I always felt that I was kind of the, um, I was at a a disadvantage or I wasn't going to, you know, get into, get where I needed to be. Um, I would just say, you know, do what you can. And there's always a way. And if you don't have those, um, if you don't have as easy of a route or, um, handed it, hand it to you in such a way, um, yeah, do the work and find the way. Um, but yeah, my, my best advice, just having been in this role and having seen who we gave opportunities to, um, I would just say, um, yeah, be, be genuine, be, personal in your outreach and, and don't be afraid to go there and to, and just, and to just say, can I, can I be a part of this? Can I help? Are you looking for writers or, um, yeah. Or even if it's not a writer, like, you know, we do events, we do podcasts, we have producers. Um, if it's just something that you really feel is clicking with you in terms of a 
content, wherever you want to be. Um, yeah, just, just reach out and like, and you, like I said, you find your way, you, you just follow your passion. And I, I think that's a good kind of foot in the door. I love that. I love that. And I think everything you said is pure gold, you know, and I, everyone listening, if you are a young professional in editorial and you want to get into editorial, please take heed to what Jill said. I mean, she is the pro, she is the expert here. And I, and I really, really value your time and the fact that you, you know, came onto the show and just, I, I thank you so much. It's been such an honor hosting you. This is like the most enjoyable conversation of my week. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> thank you, Jill. And um, I would love to have you back anytime, by the way. So if you ever have time, I would love to do a part two and just chat about anything that's going on. <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, um, everyone listening, please leave your comments and suggestions or anything that you have in the comment section for the concept art for this episode. And um, I will be back next time. <laughs>